Welcome to the Audacious Living Podcast, hosted by my man, Audley Stevenson, the Odd Man. He'll unpack wisdom and insights from a cross-section of top quality performers in business, media, sports, entertainment, and lifestyle to uncover key elements to help you live your best audacious life ever. So without further ado, here is The Odd Man. Greetings and salutations. This is the Audacious Living Podcast, and I'm Audley Stevenson. Our continued goal is to help you live your best audacious life ever, and I thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to spend it here with us. Uh, Hey, look, we're on social media. You know the deal. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Subscribe, like, follow, share uh, our YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button and be a part of all the great action in terms of uh, the Audacious Living Podcast. Now, we're in for a great show uh, today. Uh, We're going to spend some time talking about the culture of generosity and I'm going to explain that to you in just a bit but before we do that I want to get into a quote by the great Dr. Maya Angelou that she left with us uh, before she left this planet I mean she left us many beautiful words but this is one of the quotes that uh, I love from her when she was reflecting on the lessons that she learned over the course of her life and what she had said is I've learned that you shouldn't go through life with a catcher's mitt on both hands You need to be able to throw something back. And one of the reasons why I think this quote is amazing is because it's an excellent reminder that life is a two-way street. And as much as we receive and accept from people, we should be able to, we should be looking to, to give back and uplift others as well. Uh, I think of the analogy of the back catcher in, in the game of baseball, whose main job is to catch pitches from the pitcher. But given that, you know, bearing that in mind, back catchers wear one glove so they can throw back the pitch after they receive it. And I think that's a great analogy about what life really should be about. I explain all that because it brings us to today's episode where we'll talk to April Sprintz uh, about a concept that she's developed called the generosity culture. And really at the core of the generosity culture, it's really about investing or giving to others, whether that be through our time or our energy. And the key is that we're doing this without expecting anything in return. And uh, so we're gonna, April's going to expand on that a bit more. And she'll also share a personal story from her life uh, from someone who actually invested in her at a young age. And, we'll talk, and she'll talk what that ripple effect had on the rest of her life. When we talk about the ripple effect and what it meant, well, uh, she took it into the business world and helped her where, and she worked where she works with companies and it helped them to scale and improve their cultures, which in turn led to increased revenues which at the end of the day is a desire for any business. So now that we have the table all set, it's time that we hear from April Sprints and the generosity culture. Enjoy. April Sprints is a business accelerator, speaker, author, and founder of the generosity culture, which is a concept where companies and individuals can have huge success by simply pouring into others. April learned at an early age that the more you give, the more you succeed. 
She's since built that philosophy into her life and business practice and shows leaders the value in creating a culture of generosity. April is up next on the Audacious Living Podcast. So, I mean, thanks. Maybe we can just kind of get started. This is a conversation, April. Uh, I mean, awesome. interviews, but these are just conversations about uh, topics that I think we both find appreciation in. So that's why we're uh, well, I'm glad to have you here. And uh, let's, let's just sort of jump right into this. I mean, the, the generosity culture uh, is something that you've developed that um, certainly resonates with me. And I, and I think with a lot of people, when you, when you talk about uh, a culture of generosity, I wonder if you sort of can talk about sort of the impetus for that or where that started for you. Absolutely. So it was actually something that happened to me before I ever thought to create it. There was a, a woman that worked with my mother. She was the head of human resources at the factory where my mother worked. And she came into our home one day to help my mom go to rehab because she had self-identified as, as having an issue at work based on missing a lot of work and having an alcohol problem. So she came to our home, which was really amazing because she didn't have to do that. She could have had someone bring my mom in, but she knew that she had a, a small daughter and she wanted to be there when that news was communicated and those, those changes happened. And so not only did she come in to you know, what was a very emotional situation and that couldn't have been a good time for anyone. But she also took me aside and said really encouraging things along the lines of, you know, this feels like a bad thing, but what your mother is doing is very brave. And then went on to say that she thought I was special. And at this time in my life, I had never met anyone like her. She was very professional. She was very successful. And I was amazed by her. And this belief that she had in me that I could do special things really for me was the impetus for taking a chance on things and, and going after things. So in that moment, I had this wonderful belief from her, which was amazing. But I also then had this desire to be someone else's Sue Harper. And that stayed with me for years in life. And then it became the way that I did business because she invested in me. She wrote me letters. She came to my school events, et cetera. And it really, to me, resonated as a way to make someone feel valued and important. And it carried with me throughout everything that I did. It sounded like April that she almost sort of take on, took on a mentor role for you. Is that absolutely, absolutely? She's actually still a really good friend of mine. She is in her late eighties, and we still talk. I still go see her. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. And so, at the time, she was talking. You know, this started at the age of nine. Did you sort of recognize what was happening to you in terms of what she was doing in that moment, or it was just you know just a, you know, a friendly adult, if you will? I'd imagine at that age, you're not making that distinction of what's really going on, or are you? No, not at all. I, I mean, I was incredibly grateful. I was so excited to know her and really the worldview that she expanded me to, right, by doing that, the things that I could see, the opportunities that led to. And I knew that it was an amazing thing, but I didn't understand at that time that I was being mentored. I didn't understand really how valuable it was. So when, when you make that leap and now you're, and again, these are, you talk about things that sort of resonated with you throughout your life. So when did that connection or spark, when was that made for you? 
So it's interesting. I made it at an unconscious level very early on. So whenever I would be in a business situation where things were a mess and people would say, oh, April's really good at bringing, you know, cleanliness to this and organization. What was interesting is what I would do is very much what Sue had done to me, ask questions, listen, see how I can help. And over time that built my career in the corporate world. And then when I started my own firm, I was still using that same method to help businesses scale and turn them around. And it was literally an outsider who put it together for me and said, do you realize that you're just giving and giving and giving and you're teaching them to do it? And that is what is accelerating their business. It's like you're building, you know, this entire culture of generosity. And I was like, ooh, yes, you know, let's check Google. <laughs> let's see if anyone's saying it that way. Because, you know, it's not a new idea. It's an idea positioned a different way. And so maybe it'll resonate with people a little more because it's different. And then it's, it's proven out because I think it is very counterintuitive for a lot of leaders and CEOs and business owners to think, so wait a minute, I can pour into people and my clients and that's how I'm going to be more financially successful. Are you sure? Yeah, I, I can show you. <laughs> it's, it's interesting because it very much falls from, as you, as you talk about it, I think I'm seeing the concept of, of giving to get, right? But you don't give just to get. And, and that's mm -mm. the distinction between the two that I think oftentimes are, are, are confused. Would you, would you say that's accurate? Oh, 100%. And I will tell you that people can feel your intent. So whether you're, you're selling or you're looking to help someone, when you're doing it with the intent to get something back, people can feel that it doesn't feel genuine. So giving to get does not work. People will talk about the law of reciprocity, et cetera. That doesn't work when it feels manipulative. And if you give to get, there's this level of underlying manipulation that people can feel. Now, if you give just because, candidly, it feels great to give, and if you can trust that the rest will take care of itself and it will lots will come to you it's just not going to be an agreement like a tit for tat kind of thing right you're going to give in all these different areas yet things come back to you in ways you never would have expected and it's letting go of that expectation that this time that i'm giving of my time this time that i'm helping someone out is going to directly result in something for me. Got you, got you. You know, when we talk, so we've been talking about giving, right? And I, and I would think that a lot of times it's, it's the little things that we're talking mm -hmm. about, right? And, and, and it, sh sure, you know, money and resources are, are, are great things to give as well. But the truly, yeah, I think they're limited. It's just sort of, you know, we're talking about the long-term impacts. And so if you talk about Sue as the example and what she mm -hmm. did for you on the long-term. So we're not just talking about money, right? No, we're not really talking. We're not really talking about money at all. It's funny when I talk about. I used to say instead of pour into your employees and your clients, I'd say invest in, and people would grab their wallet. They'd be like, "Oh man, I don't, I don't know how I feel about this." Right. So it's why I use the term pour in because I actually want something far more valuable than money. I want because that's what's going to reap those rewards over and over again. And what's so amazing about it is, especially from a leadership perspective. When you pour into your employees and you give them that mentoring, you give them that time, two things happen. The first is 
they're going to model you with your clients. They're going to take even better care of the people who are most important to your business, or I would say second most important, because I think your team is actually the most important, but they're going to model that. And then even better, they're not going to be able to help from modeling that at home, whether it's with their partner or their children or whomever it is they interact with. So then their life outside of work is going to get better as well. And as much as people like to think those things are separate, they really aren't. And I think the pandemic has shown that a ton. If you have a good home life, it's easier to have a good work life. Well, what if the way that we're helping you from a work perspective could also help personally? Got you, got you. And I'm so glad you sort of touched on the outside of work aspect because uh, so much of, of, of what we talked about is within that work context. But we're the same person. We're going to become a, a different person at work and come home. It's the same. It's, you know, they, they, our lives intersect with one another. So the things that we're talking about very much can apply to our personal life as well as our professional Absolutely. 100%. And that's really the benefit of it because our employees, our team members, the folks that we work with, they're not widgets. They're not variables. They're people. Right. And the better their life is overall, the better we all show up together. Got you. Got you. So, you know, we spent a lot of time talking on this podcast about boldness and the importance of boldness. And uh, mm -hmm. when we talk about stepping out to to display generosity, I would, I would imagine there, there's certain aspects of boldness or maybe even the word courage I'd use as well uh, to, to, to put yourself out there. So you could talk about the intersection between the two because there's some relevance, I would say. Absolutely. Well, I think it takes some boldness to do something that is so counterintuitive. I remember when I was in the corporate world and I was in different sales roles and the way that I would quote unquote sell seemed counterintuitive to a lot of people. They gave me a little bit of side eye. Right way to do things. Closing. What I have could help you. And if you do, I'd love to, to give that to you. And with that exchange of value, you'll pay me. And then if it didn't help them, I was happy to stop those conversations and go on to the next person. I didn't believe in trying to wear somebody down for a sale. And anytime I came to an organization, I was new to the organization. People found the way I sold very weird but it usually proved out in a really big way in about a year because then business was just coming to me. I wasn't prospecting anymore because people knew that if I could help them, we would do business. And if I couldn't, I'd even refer my competition sometimes and say, I think they're a better fit. And it, it takes a lot of boldness to be generous in that way because it flies in the face of some of the ways that we've been taught to do business. Well, you're, you're, you're taking a chance, right? It's really what you're doing. And uh, if that chance involves extending to someone else, uh, again, 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 within a business context, you don't do that. You're supposed to crush the competition. That's what it's about, right? But no. You know, I had a gentleman who's been very successful in business and owns his own company. And he told me, he said, business is war. And I'm a former service member. I'm like, no, it isn't. It's a cooperation. <laughs> cooperation. I love that. <laughs> you know, we, we, we talk about um, sort of what, what's going on in the, sort of the world around us. And last, you know, we, 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 everyone knows even after 2020. And uh, I think within what, a lot of what we saw, 
uh, I think a lot of solution, a lot of the problems that we saw, not all of them, mind you, but a lot of them, if we extended this generosity, extended this kindness, extended more of the uh, compassion for, for one another. We're at times, you kind of watching all what was going on going, I have the answer. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was just, yeah, I was wondering if that was sort of your feeling and how much- You know, it's funny. I, those issues, yeah. So I don't feel like the person that always has the answer. I think that that can be a dangerous place to be. But I will tell you that as these things happened, I thought, you know, if somebody would just say, I understand, or say, I hear you, or say, I don't understand, but I want to, that kind of generosity, I think would go an amazingly long way. And I think too, sometimes generosity and empathy go hand in hand. And a lot of times when people see folks who are pushing up against things, who are very frustrated, who are very angry, they take that as a negative. Whereas if you think of something non-threatening like a toddler, yep. right? When a toddler's angry, at the basis of that is usually some need that isn't being met or fear. And if we look at people and situations and when people are acting that way, like recently fear that they won't get the vaccine and people are very angry, right? Whatever it is, if you can look at it that way and have empathy and understand that there were times in your life, because for all of us, this is true, that you didn't act in the, the way that made sense because you were coming from a place of being afraid or something like that then you can, you know, generously empathize with anyone. You know, I may not agree with people because sure. there are lots of folks I don't agree with. Right. But I can empathize with almost everyone and get to a place where I don't agree with your choice, but I understand how you got there. Right, right. And, and, and it's, it's funny to talk about agreement because that's oftentimes seen as a, as a bad thing. And mm -hmm. it really isn't. It's an exchange of ideas. You know, what, you know, we're seeing this in the political realm as an example, and I'm not trying to get political in any way, shape, or form, but I mean, right. that, I think is a, a really good example where instead of showing that empathy, I think that one of the tactics we oftentimes see is a, a, a culture of blame. Well, it's your fault, or you didn't do this. And that is so, we talk about counterintuitive, that's, that's exactly what we're talking about here. Yeah, absolutely. That or vilifying someone because they don't think the way you do, which it's funny, when people talk about world peace, I think sometimes people get confused and think world peace means everyone thinks like me right. and to me world peace is we all think differently and we're all okay with that we're all allowing everyone to have their different opinion and again not to get into politics because i agree with you but there was a time when politicians would fiercely debate in a debate and then all go have dinner at the same person's house and once the debate was over they were friends they weren't saying you're an awful person because you don't agree with my politics no, that's exactly. I think of their Looney uh, Tunes cartoon where you know the rooster and the the sheepdog are chasing chasing each other, and they punch a clock, it's over, and they go off like buddies. Like I think that's what we're talking about here, right? In terms of just, I think we had it right. Yeah, no, we just go back <laughs> to that. I think that's really what it is. I mean, it's, it's not you're you're, uh, you're not to be hated. I shouldn't hate you because we're not on the same side. There, right. there are opportunities, and I think that's in, in, in all that's been going on. I think that's what's missed is the opportunity. Yeah, well, the opportunity too that when people think differently than you, 
or they have a different background than you. They come from a different country. They're a different culture. They're a different race. Because they see things differently, their input is immensely valuable because they're going to see things you don't see. And why we would want to discount that instead of listening and seeing how we can all be better, that I can't wrap my head around. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Me, me, me and you both. Me and you both. <laughs> so, so for someone who's, you know, looking to, you know, so here in our conversation, we're talking about generosity and we're talking, you know, we're talking about empathy, a little bit of trust, I think, fills in what we're, we're, we, we've built in our conversation as well. How does someone implement that, whether that be in their professional life or even personal life? What's the starting point? So I think a great starting point is talking to what they're working on. So literally, whether you're a leader or you're doing it at home or you're doing it with your clients, it's starting to have conversations with them about what is important to them, even if that doesn't necessarily pertain to you personally or your business. But when you start giving your time, pouring into them and, and listening, that's where a lot of the magic happens. A lot of times when I go in and work with companies, the first thing I want to do is talk to the, the employees to each and every one of them, just sit with them for an hour and ask them questions about, well, what do you love about your life? What is the most important thing to you? And the reason for that is because that's going to drive their behavior. That's gonna drive what they value. So for one person, getting a raise may be huge. For another, having more PTO might be huge. The way that we know these things is to listen to folks and ask those open-ended questions that have nothing to do with their work or our product or what our goal is. It's, it's at the basic, I mean, as you describe it, it's just, you think it's just the basic core you know, uh, in, from an interaction standpoint, meeting humans, you know, listen, share, yeah. ideas, understand, and empathize. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not complex. I think we all have it within our capacity to do. Sure. Well, it sounds so easy that people right. think, oh, that, that doesn't make any sense. And it's funny, there, there are some resources on my website that you can go and get for free. And one of them is literally five ways that you can do this, the kinds of questions that you can ask people so that you can start learning what would be important to them and to take it completely away from business and things like this. Some of the folks who are known as the best gift givers literally just listen to the things people say all year long that they love and then they go get them something that they forgot they mentioned six months ago and they're like wow you know jim always gets the perfect gifts that's awesome no hey gifts are great right it's the perfect ones too <laughs> but it's the listening it's not even the the item you know because no. it could be something like okay. i love blue pens okay great i'm gonna get you a whole box of them <laughs> that's, right. that's right yeah and that and that, and that resonates because you feel validated you're you've been heard uh, you've been understood you've been listened to and, and really who doesn't want to be listened to and make and be validated so that totally sure. is a great analogy for sure for sure and understood to your point mm -hmm. when people understand us we feel a commonality commonality and a bond that is super strong. It's why people tend to so much value their childhood friend group, or if they were in a fraternity, or you know, they all like the same sports team, right? Those are the things that bond people together. Got you, got you. Uh, I, I've really enjoyed this chat, April. And before we go, I, I want to ask one last question around 
uh, just just success in general and, and this concept of what we're talking about because again we talk about where there's a, things that there are, there's correlations uh, this directly and, and you you would have seen you've seen in your work with businesses that there has been a change or has been whether it be an increase of sales or productivity or all of these things are, are markers what if you sort of talk about the, the key when, when when we talk about success and generosity so the biggest thing about the success is it's a byproduct. And it's interesting because a lot of people drive for success and they do so many things for success. With this, you're really driving towards making people feel valued, helping them understand how important they are. And then you cannot help but be successful. And I'll give you a really dramatic example. I worked with a trucking company that was losing uh, close to half a million dollars a year. I mean, they were they were in a bad place. And the first thing we did was listen to some of the requests from their most problem customers in the sense that they were the most unhappy. And what they wanted was a higher level of service than was, than was common in the trucking industry. But by doing that, listening to them and giving them that, they were quickly able to get the company to be profitable in less than six months and then develop a niche way of serving that allowed them to grow and then eventually sell that company in a really short period of time. And that all came from that place of how can I give you more? You're unhappy. What can I do to help? Mm, the listening, I guess it goes right back to that again, the listening and the, the asking those probing questions to get to the, the heart of the matter. And that's what we're talking about here, April. Absolutely. Amazing! Oh, this has been incredible. I, I, I'm really appreciative. And we sort of in our, in our in our short chat here, we've gone from mentorship all the way through to uh, to, to listening. Actually, I want to go back. I just say one question. One more thing I wanted to ask you because you think you talked about the impact sure. Sue had on you, and, and I'm wondering, uh, what, did you, did you have an opportunity to go back and let her know sort of the difference that she made in your life? Because I think in in, in a big part of this is letting those individuals know where they've made a difference. Did you get a chance to do that? Absolutely. So a lot of times personally, I let her know how much she had done for me. And then when it comes to the generosity culture, I always talk about her and I have a book coming out in March called Magic Blue Rocks and it's dedicated to her. And it also tells the story of what she did in my life and what the long-term impact was and how people can leverage what she taught me to be successful in their own life. Amazing. I'm, I'm, it's great to hear. Happy to hear the book is coming out. Happy to hear that you uh, have been able to get a chance to uh, share that with her because, uh, again, I think it's just so important uh, as, as, as you, you know, know what? into people. You know what I think is so interesting? And I have to share this with you yeah. because I was so shocked to hear it. Huh? When she, when I told her, she didn't think she'd done anything special. <laughs> she, that's just how she was. She would have done that for any child that she encountered in that situation. And in fact, had done it for others. Wow. And for her, it was just a Tuesday. Wow. That, that, that is significant on so many levels because oftentimes, you know, within ourselves, we just do the things that are just natural and, and, and mundane to us, so to speak. But to other people, it's seen as this eureka and in some instances, life-changing experience and moment. So uh, I think that's incredible. And uh, the fact that she's just like, oh, I'm, I'm wondering if she even remembered the things that she did even because they were so ordinary to her. 
she remembered, and I think she remembered because I would always come back to her and say, this happened and this mm -hmm. happened, but to her, it wasn't extraordinary. And my goal in life is to live my life in such a way that I can make an extraordinary impact by not doing anything extraordinary, by it just being me being normal for myself. That's awesome. April, thank you again for this, uh, to, to our listeners. Uh, April's got all, as you mentioned, maybe give your website, you'd mentioned you have some good resources on your site for, for our listeners where they can go and learn more about the culture. Absolutely. Awesome. It's drivenoutcomes.com. Awesome. Awesome. April, thanks so much for this. Much appreciated and, and all the best. Oh, thank you. Same to you. Back we are here on the Audacious Living Podcast, and I want to first off say thank you to April for being so generous with your time and joining us here on the podcast. I think you've nicely given us a good picture of what the generosity culture is all about, and I think everyone has a better understanding of what it means moving forward. Now, I, I want to zero on, on a piece that April touched on because she touched on a lot of really key points, but the one that stands out in my mind is her point around empathy we heard able talk about the about different things that we can do to practice empathy uh, but one of the things that she mentioned that uh, makes so much sense to me involves involves adjusting the way we, we look at people and trying to do so from a position of understanding and empathy. And she gave the example of a toddler. Uh, and, you know, oftentimes a little toddler is crying uh, from that standpoint. Look at the reasons behind that uh, and stay away from judgments and anything of that nature. And, and, and I love this because empathy is important because it helps us to better connect with others and how they're feeling. And in turn, that's one of the things that allows us to respond better to them. Uh, it's, it's, it's definitely one of those things that we can never have too much of and we can always put into practice, especially when we're dealing with one another. Speaking of never having too much, uh, I can say the exact same thing for this podcast. We can go on and on and on, but... We've reached the end of another edition of the Audacious Living Podcast. Uh, thank you, as always, for, for checking us out. My appreciation goes out to the listeners because you are, and viewers because all of you are what keeps this podcast going. So thank you for your time. Of course, you can go to bestaudaciouslife.com if you happen to miss any past episodes. They're all there, and we can get, you can get caught up pretty quickly uh, with all the good stuff that we have coming out. Uh, and so having said that, we've reached the end. So thank you. And until next time, stay safe, be kind, show love to others, and be audacious. You've been listening to the Audacious Living Podcast, hosted by Audley Stevenson. If you enjoyed what you heard, be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Until next time, be audacious.